Hello, everyone out there in the podcasting universe. This is an exciting, exciting moment for us here. Uh, we are a new podcast called Three Off the Bench. This is our pilot episode, episode zero. I'm Matt Custodio, along with two of the biggest soccer supporters I know, uh, Cam Pierce, Josh Arno. I'll let them introduce themselves. Cam, we'll start with you. Introduce who you are and who you support. Uh, I'm Cameron Pierce, a uh, longtime soccer fan. Got into soccer because of the 2014 World Cup. Haven't looked back ever since. Uh, massive Chelsea supporter. If you're watching the video version of this, uh, I'm sure that you can see that clear as day. Uh, so I certainly have my thoughts about this weekend and about uh, Chelsea as a whole right now, but that's pretty much who I am. Also a local supporter of the New England Revolution. Want to see the MLS grow, and I'm hoping that that's something that this podcast can help achieve. And Josh, our resident goalie expert. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, sorry, Matt. Um, yeah, I played, uh, played, you know, football, as they would say in the rest of the world, for uh, three years in college. Uh was the starting goalkeeper for all three years and a captain for two of them. Um, I am a Southampton supporter, and I'm, I am a Juventus supporter as well, but that has um, waned with recent... <laughs> recent Super League activity, as well as racist tweets um, from the women's side of things. So I'm a little little hurt by Juventus, but I, uh, I fell in love with the sport in 2006 as an Italian, watching Buffon specifically in that group win the World Cup. And so here we are. Fair enough. And uh, I'm Matt Custodio. I, I'll admit my soccer fandom started back with, uh, I think it was FIFA 2004. I got to play with, you know, David Beckham, some just, you know, bend it like Beckham, all that stuff. And then I kind of fell off for a bit. And uh, then in college, a buddy of mine invited me to watch the Arsenal Bayern, the first of the trilogy in Champions League. And uh, from there on, it was Saturday morning football. And, um, you know, it just kind of went on from there. You know, I'm also a Revs fan like Cam, and I imagine Josh probably is as well, just due to our location. Mm-hmm. Um so it's been exciting to see uh, the Revs, what they're doing this year, and we'll talk about that later on. But uh, obviously we are not the, you know, the Paul, uh, the Paul Mariners and the, the Gary Nevilles of the world, right, that have world-famous names, but we like to think we know a thing or two here and there. Um, and we're just going to dive in with some of the big news around the world. And I want to get Josh's take first, because he used to be a Juventus supporter, as he says. Um, with Cristiano Ronaldo returning back to his second home of Manchester United. Obviously, there are city rumors as well. But Josh, we'll get your first takes on Ronaldo leaving, what it means for the sport as a whole, and what do you think it means for United? So sur- surface level, it's obviously exciting from this this fan standpoint, right? To see him going back to United. United fans seem to be super excited about it. Um, the coach and me, I, I should have mentioned to you that I've been a professional coach for over a decade now, um, looks at it and it's doesn't, it's not a signing that makes a lot of sense. It's, uh, I almost think what happened is United thought that city was going to get him, and they felt they had to sweep in at the last second. Cause if you look at United's roster and what they need, Ronaldo isn't really a need for them. They've got wingers, they've got strikers. I mean, is Ronaldo theoretically better than all of them? Probably. But he's 36 years old. Um, as a Juventus supporter, I'm not 
really upset to see him leave because I think Juventus has other options with Dybala and Bernardeschi and um, Chiesa. Yeah, guys like that. So I'm not um, Kuvaletsky, the Swede. So I'm not, you know, I, Juventus is one of those teams that has having has had a lot of financial trouble over the last couple of years. So I'm not not too upset to see him leave. Is that it, it's just when you look at it beyond that surface level of excitement, it is sort of a weird signing tactically for United. And I don't, I think United and and not to not to you know harp on you here too much, Matt, have entered the. Uh, the second phase of realizing your team isn't what they used to be anymore. Um, you know, with, with mm-hmm. Arsenal, they were, they were the, the unbeatables. And then they were kind of that, you know, third to fourth place team where fans every year were delusional and thought they had a chance of competing for the title. And now Arsenal fans have entered the, our team just sucks phase of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. United coming off the, mm-hmm. the Ferguson error has entered the delusional phase where they think they're back in the title race every year. Um, I don't, I don't honestly think Ronaldo helps them get any closer to it. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it's, it's an interesting landscape that the Premier League has become, which we, I'm sure we'll talk about uh, today and going forward. Kim, what are your thoughts on, on Ronaldo? Because I know it's kind of a direct competition to Chelsea, who are one of, if not the title favorites this year. Well, I think that this move for Manchester United going after Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously going off of what Josh said, they kind of had to sweep in and and make this move following all the rumors with Manchester City. You know, obviously, I'm sure you guys have seen the rumors of former United players and perhaps even Sir Alex Ferguson himself reaching out to Cristiano Ronaldo and saying, listen, you're going to tarnish your legacy with Manchester United if you go over to the nosy neighbors on the other side of town. And I think that it's just as much that as it is also just a PR move. Because when you think of Manchester United, you think of exciting players, you think of big history, you think of the possibility always just on the horizon of winning a major trophy. You bring in a guy like that, it gets the fans reeled in, it gets everybody excited for the team again, it makes people want to watch, it opens up the opportunity for sponsorship deals, it opens a lot of doors. Uh, and I think that you know it is also... I agree with what Josh said. It doesn't make a ton of sense tactically, but you know, with Cavani at what 34 years old now, you kind of have to question how much longer is he going to go. You sign Cristiano Ronaldo on a two-year contract, short term. It's a quick fix, but it could very well be a fix to some of their scoring issues right now. Yeah, and I we kind of talked about this during our pre-show text chain, and you look at. You got Greenwood, who's a young player, needs to play, needs to develop, right? Martial, still young, probably should have left two summers ago. Rashford is a world-class talent, in my opinion. And then you have now two older players in Ronaldo and Cavani. And Ronaldo, big name, yeah, I think he still scored 30 goals last year in Serie A, which is phenomenal. But you're coming into a Premier League that is faster is more physical than when he left it was it's a much different time than when he left to go to madrid over a decade ago um and we talked about too the goals are always going to be there it's just now instead of rashford having 20 and greenwood having 15 and cavani having 15 you're probably just going to take five to seven off of each of them and give them to ronaldo and now he's going to end up with 25 but you're still only going to end up with 60 70 goals total in the whole season. So it's, it's an interesting one. Um, and I want to spin that into 
do we think this gives United, I know Josh can answer it, does United's chances get better or is it still just City and Chelsea and Liverpool with United in that fourth, fifth spot? So it depends on if you think Ronaldo brings other intangibles to the team. So I, I saw some people argue, well, he's a good locker room presence and blah, blah, blah. Didn't didn't help Juventus get over the hump, really, did he? Um, which was the Champions League hump. And they, they've actually struggled in the league a bit since his arrival as well. So um, I, I think what it does help, if you, if you look at it as a, from United perspective and what you have to be happy about is the financial aspect of it. Um, I think, like you mentioned, like there's going to be new revenue streams opened up to United. So maybe because of this, you instead of signing one Jaden Sancho, you can sign two Jaden Sanchos in a couple years' times, if that makes sense. Um, but realistically, from a from a pure footballing perspective, they need a six. I mean, McTominay's fine, Maddich is fine, Fred's. I'm not a big Fred fan. Um, and he scores one screamer, though, and he brings you right back in, like he did <laughs> the opening weekend. Yeah, he's just – you need – they needed a little bit more depth at midfield because you know Pogba's going to have an issue at some point. Um, I, I don't I, – I really think it's Chelsea and City at the top. I don't even – I think – we'll get to yesterday's result here in a minute, but I think yesterday proved that it's Chelsea and city and everyone else is trying to play catch up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kim real quick, obviously I know you think you probably have Chelsea, the top of the, the heap with city. Do you think there's anyone else or is it like Josh said, probably basically just city and Chelsea unless Liverpool really pull something magical out. Listen, I always pride the Premier League on being the team with parity and possibilities above all the other leagues. So I think just three match days in at the time of this recording, not even three full match days in, you can't rule out Liverpool. You can't rule out Manchester United, especially Manchester United when you bring in a guy like Cristiano Ronaldo. You bring in Jaden Sancho. You have Bruno Fernandes. I mean, you have great players on that team. If they can, you know, come together as a team, which sounds like you know, a cliche, but if they can actually come together, uh, you can't rule out a team like that. But, but obviously the two teams that everybody's looking at, especially after yesterday is Manchester city and Chelsea. That's fair. Um, So while we're on the major superstars of the world, moving teams, uh, let's go a quick couple minutes here. Leo Messi. Um, I, for one was shocked. I really thought it was one of those contract, he said, she said, but at the end of the day, Leo Messi's not leaving Barcelona. So when I found out that he left to go to PSG, I wasn't shocked it was PSG because he and Neymar have this amazing bromance, but I was shocked in total. I understand the financial troubles, but damn, I didn't think Barcelona would actually let him walk out. Cam, what do you think? Listen, if you, if you have to take Barcelona's word on their whole financial troubles, if you actually take their word for it, I don't think that anybody can truly be that surprised. I mean, you look at Leo Messi's press conference following his departure uh, from Barcelona, and you just think, this guy really, truly wanted to be here for the rest of his career, and the only thing that was going to stop him was going to be the financial aspect of it. And 
I, I think that at that point you have to take Barcelona's word for it. And, you know, I know that there, there were rumors that he was going to leave. They weren't going to resign him. And then there were the rumors they had come to an agreement. And then at some point in, in a, a few weeks, it just, it broke down to the point where, oh boy, he's actually walking out the door. He's driving away from the stadium and fans are jumping on the car, trying to get him to stay. It's, you know, I, I think though at that point, I wasn't that surprised because from all the rumors, all the reading that I had done and everything that Barcelona had had leaked out of their camp, it's they really couldn't afford to pay him. And, you know, you, you see them trying to get rid of guys like Griezmann for these really big fees and stuff like that. It's like, oh, they really are desperate for money. Not that Griezmann has yeah. really panned out for them, and maybe that's a just a, a more tactical decision as well. But I think you have to kind of let the shock go a little bit and accept, like, I think that this was always coming. Yeah, Josh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, you look at it, and it, there's no doubt that I think, personally, all of La Liga is in trouble. I know I think it's no secret that Spain as a country has financial issues um, from their tax code all the way up to just that the unemployment rate is extremely high. Um, it, I should say Josh is a history major, so like international, like actual country stuff is they'll always get thrown in at some point. So, right, okay. and, and, and you know, there's uh, obviously um, with Juventus and Real Madrid, Barcelona were the the big pushers behind the Super League because of the financial burden that they're currently suffering with. Um, you hear rumors that Atletico Madrid is also in dire financial straits. Um, you look at La Liga and, and, and there's a rumor too that uh, PK is playing for free this year in order to accommodate uh, the Depay signing. Um, they've made some very expensive poor signings over the past five, six years, whether it be um, Coutinho, or Griezmann, or whoever else. They've sold a lot of young talent recently. I, I think, uh, for those of you who really want to take a deep dive, I think Moriba, who is a 17-year-old midfielder from their academy, is sounds like he's on his way out because they, they won't bring him into the first team, and he's probably a first-team talent at this point. I, I'm not surprised he left. It sounded like he was going to leave last summer at times as well. Um, I think... In a perfect world, they come to an agreement and he stays just because I think that's the – Messi's not the same in Ronaldo in that Ronaldo at times is a bit of a glory hunter. Maybe the Kevin Durant of the uh, of the <laughs> soccer world, some, some might say, but we you can, you can go back and check how I feel about Kevin Durant. I think if you want a glory hunt, you want a glory hunt. It is what it is. What really doesn't make sense to me in the whole saga, knowing what we know about how – where La Liga is financially and where some of these big teams are financially is why Mbappe now wants to leave PSG in this whole saga to go to Real Madrid. Because I don't think that he can make the same money he can at Real. I mean, look at Real Madrid. They just sold Rafael Varane for what, like $30 million? It's going to total 50, but yeah. So, but yeah, but like the initial fee is what, 30? And then there's bonuses and add-ons, whatever, blah, blah, blah. That's like the salary cap stuff here in America where you can kind of fake how much you're actually paying for them. Um, it doesn't – like that move doesn't really make a lot of sense for them either. I think I think these La Liga teams are in trouble. I think in the next five, ten years you're going to see um, Spanish football take a real hit. If It already has without Messi. It's a huge blow to their 
their income from other revenues, from like from TV to, you know, Barcelona going further in the Champions League and, and things like that. It's a real hit to La Liga. Um, I, I don't see Spanish football being where it is now in five to 10 years. So it's kind of a, a weird situation all the way around when you look at Mbappe and, and Messi and kind of how that all fits together. Oh, that's that's the big kicker, right? ESPN just spent all this money to get uh, Bundesliga to get um, Syria last year to get La Liga this year. And all of a sudden, boom, Ronaldo's gone out of Syria. Uh Ligun is on being sports, which I don't know how many people actually have in this country. Um, and it's it, ESPN is going to probably be kicking themselves and wonder, we're trying to get behind this sport and all the stars are just in England. Um, and that's going to be interesting, right? Because even Real Madrid, your boy Eden Hazard, right, Kim? You used to love him when he was at Chelsea? Yeah. Is the definition of a bust, I think, 110 million, right? Arguably the worst transfer in history. I know, seriously. Um, So I just, Josh has got a point, but at the same time, what is is it doing, right? It's the American money. NBCSN has paid so much money. Sky has paid so much money to these Premier League teams because I'm obviously not you guys, but to the generic soccer fan, football fan, they don't know who's 19th, 20th in La Liga or Serie A. They know who's 19th and 20 in the Premier League. So when you look at just the overall aspect, this is it's kind of been inevitable. When you only know the top three teams in your league or in a league, it's the TV revenue and the money's not going to be there. And unfortunately, that's why the Premier League can go out and sign players like Danny Ings for Aston Villa at 30 mil, right? Obviously, they had the Grealish money, but TV money is a lot. And some of those other leagues, they just don't have it the way England um, England does. Well, right. Yeah. I mean, I think this transfer window was the biggest realization that these other countries struggled, were already struggling and the pandemic really, I think was a, a swift kick to the, to the groin for a lot of these, um, or maybe in the soccer, soccer sense, the, uh, the old hammy pull for these other teams <laughs> where it's, it's, they're, they're in, they're in real trouble. Um, not so much, not so much the Bundesliga. I think the Bundesliga is just sort of always going to kind of be that that third sort of level league. It's just kind of the nature of, of the biz, business over there, the the way they cap spending and and things like that nature, which is not too dissimilar from what the MLS does. Um, unless you're a uh, RB fan, you find a way around it with That's fair. trickery. Well, Josh did a perfect job summing it up. Um... We're going to carry on over to what we kind of want one of our bigger things to be is we're going to talk about the MLS a lot here because as three Americans, um, it's kind of like one of our responsibilities, right? We got to drive the drive the sport forward, drive the league forward. Uh, coming up 20, this is, I think, the 26th year of MLS. Um, it's really almost up to 30, 32 teams. It will be in the next couple of years. Uh, I'll start with Cam on this. Just the revs being our local team for the first time since 2014 leading uh being one of the leading teams it's got to be pretty nice right to turn on your local team and see them top of the table i mean it is it's absolutely fantastic and it makes you want to watch the games it makes average people want to watch the games i have coworkers uh where i work at my full-time job who aren't really big fans of footy so to speak but 
they will go out of their way to watch Revs games now, or at the very least, they watch the highlights and they try to keep up with what's happening. So is it a fair weather fan kind of thing in that sense? Sort of, yeah. But I think that that's kind of all you can ask for in a league that is basically fifth in its nation. So, but it's been incredibly intriguing. There's exciting players on the revolution, Gustavo Bo, Buxa, Buchanan's been incredibly fun to watch. Obviously, Matt Turner. I mean, I, I've been a big Matt Turner fan since he first started getting uh, starts with the revolution. But you know, to see him in the headlines with Team USA and, and to see what he's done with the revolution this year is incredibly exciting. So to have these names attached to a team that's really good, it's really it's a perfect thing for the revolution right now in trying to grow and it's great for the mls to have names all across the league and teams who are competitive fighting to get these playoff positions it's been incredibly fun to watch so far this season yeah absolutely it's it's one of those things that we used to always watch and it was always like yeah well you know it's the revs and they're probably going to blow it here they're going to be a goalless draw here in front of like ten thousand people not this year i've been to a couple games it's Fans are into it. The stadium is probably as filled as I've seen in some time, which don't we don't even have to get started right now on the soccer-specific stadium part because we could be here all day and do an episode just on that. Um, but I think my favorite part, I love watching Tejan play. I'm super sad he's going to leave at the end of the year, but at the same time, props to him, right? He's going to Club Bruges in Belgium. Uh, rumor has it's around 7 to $9 million, uh, and he'll be loaned back for the rest of the year, but Seeing just young players, seeing the Revs family be part of that is phenomenal. Um, and I want to move to the U.S. team in a second, but I want to talk about, Cam, you brought up Matt Turner, who was this relative unknown when Brad Friedel was here. He started this kid that we thought was Bobby Shuttleworth is just hurt, right? There's no mm-hmm. way Bobby Shuttles is, is being benched. Who the heck is Matt Turner? Well, Josh, you're a goalkeeper. Who is Matt Turner? Why is he who he is? Matt Turner is the ultimate story in someone who really in a sport where if you, they don't, I mean, there's very few stories. I mean, I guess you can look at Jamie Vardy in the premier league of guys who don't really have the pedigree. Like I think, I don't even think he played division one. If I remember correctly in college, Um, he was a division two player, but someone who's still relatively young stuck with it. And for me, he is obviously the best goalkeeper in the MLS. I don't think that's even a question at this point. Um, For those of us who watched the All-Star Game festivities, see what he did uh, in the shootout yet again. Um, I mean, his his, between the the Revs and the U.S. national team, his PK save percentage is well north of 50% at this point, I think. Um, He... He's the U.S. number one for me. I I, I know that uh, was it Burhalter is a big Stefan guy from their time together in the MLS. But as a goalkeeper, as a goalkeeper coach, it has to be Turner because you don't really know what Zach Stefan is because he sits on the bench at City for the past what three years now. He's been there. I mean, he was. Um, you don't really know. Like I'm sure Zach Steffen and the little bit we've seen of him is a good goalkeeper, but he doesn't play. And it's not enough. The MLS is now a good enough league where if you're the best goalkeeper in MLS, you're better than the guy sitting on the benches in the Premier League. 
with the exception of maybe uh, Areola there at um, at West Ham, who's sitting behind Fabianski after the brilliant season he had last year for Fulham. Um, so, and maybe obviously Dean Henderson, I guess at United as well. But for the most part, you have Turner has to be the guy, just based purely on the fact that not only is he playing every day, but he's playing at this incredibly high level. You look what he did in the Gold Cup, and I know people are going to oh, the Gold Cup, ooh, it's a second-rate competition. Mexico played their first team the entire way, save one or two guys who might have been hurt. And the United States played their B and C players, and Matt, again, outside of Matt Turner, and Matt Turner literally took that team to the finals and got them through that finals. Um, are there parts of his game that aren't great? Yeah, I don't think his distribution is anything that you're going to write home about and say this guy is a great distributing goalkeeper. But in terms of shot stopping, he's he's one of the best in the world right now, quite honestly. He his shot stopping and his reaction shapes are are on another level um for me and he he's a great story and if he isn't starting these world cup qualifier games and you know it's just because burhalter is just a stand for stefan is really what it comes down to so that brings up one of my next questions is obviously we've seen how things go and kim um i think you you uh we were talking about the community shield game this year right so um zach stefan starts that game for city and by God, was he have a really couple bad mistakes and even a couple games towards the end of last year in cup competitions. You can tell, like Josh said, you don't have that game flow, right? And the MLS is such a league where they don't care about defenders as much. Those are a lot of homegrown and college kids. But those attackers either are or are just beyond that world-class stage, right? That's where people put their designated player money in. So when you're stopping guys like Chicharito Hernandez or uh, Carlos Valer, Diego Rossi, those guys either were or and possibly still could be starting at very big clubs and big leagues overseas. So when people say, oh, MLS goalkeeper, it, honestly, those are still some of the best in the world, which leads me to the question of, as a Revs fan, if Matt Turner goes to the U.S. qualifiers, and doesn't play a bit. Are you a bit upset that you're going to miss three games of him when you're going to have 98-year-old uh, Brad Knighton in that? When you could have your number one who isn't – it's great you got the call-up, but it doesn't mean anything if you're not playing, right? Well, so I I, I think it's not even a, a Rev supporter thing. I think if you're – you and I, I, you know, I, I talk to a lot of people who aren't necessarily Revs fan who have, who have after this Gold Cup have and watched them a little bit in the MLS have come around to this. Um, if you're a U.S. soccer fan, you should want it to be Matt Turner because he's the bet he's the best option. And it, it's for me, it's not even close. Goalkeeping is all about repetition. It's all about seeing shots. It's all about you know you can't simulate what goalkeepers do in training in a game. It's un it's it's can't you can you can get as close as you think you're, you're getting, but it's not really apples to apples. It's not something that you can simulate on the training field. So it, it, again, I know that the coach loves him some Zach Steffen, but I think if you're a U.S. soccer fan and you don't think it's it's not Matt Turner, you should be questioning the decisions that they're making at U.S. soccer for me. And maybe I'm a little bit biased because I am a Revs fan as well, 
but it just as a goalkeeper, it wouldn't, it doesn't make sense for it to be Stefan. That's kind of where I'm at with this. What about you, Ken? I think you absolutely have to be upset. I agree with everything that Josh said. I mean, I've long questioned a lot of the decisions that U.S. soccer has made, so I wouldn't put it past them to go with Stefan over Turner in just based off of the fact that he is a Premier League player, even if he is sitting off the bench. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all just because to more casual fans, Manchester City is a more recognizable name than New England Revolution. But you know, from a Revs fan, I'd be furious as well because, you know, we watch him week in, week out what he is capable of doing. And you want to expose that also to the casual fans who might not know who Matt Turner is still somehow. You want to expose that kind of thing to to the casual fan. You want people to, to be drawn in and to support this team because I, I think this team is only going to go as far as people want them to go, if that makes sense. If people are invested in this team and show that they care, and that goes with U.S. soccer as, as well as the fans, I think that that could be the driving force in getting them to the World Cup. I mean, that's just my two cents. But and it sounds like too that you know we talked we talked about Tejan Buchanan briefly, the can, the Canadian, the young Canadian who's going over to to Europe. I, I've heard whispers that Turner is is probably the next guy who's going to make that jump. I don't know where we we just saw. Uh, Ethan Horvat, who is the theoretically the third choice goalkeeper, um, go to Not- Nottingham Forest in the English second tier. Um, I've I've heard whispers that Turner is going to be someone who who might be making the jump to that lower end of the of a first tier league in in Europe at some point in the near future. So keep an eye on that as, as, as January comes around, especially if he plays well, if he plays and plays well in those U S qualifying games, I think as a Revs fan, you might be looking for a new goalkeeper next year as well. Hey, get Brad Friedel back to help us out, find another diamond in the rough. Right. Um, so it kind of leads me into talking about Matt Turner and some of the players that were missing last night as the Revs did lose two nothing to NYCFC. Obviously the, child of Manchester City as we talk about Manchester City here with Zach Steffen. Um, obviously, we can talk about the game, but it really wasn't anything more than just defensively outside of Matt Turner. The Revs' defense this year has been questionable at best. Bad missed tackles here, not marking man marking, losing headers in the box, not clearing the ball. Cam, I'll start with you. Is this something we can rely on just having a great goalkeeper or does the defense have to step up at some point? Defense always needs to step up. Defense always needs to step up because it's no matter how good. And this goes for all sports where the goal, where there is a goalie, the the goalie is going to make a mistake at some point. And if the defense is leaking like a sieve, I think that it gives the opportunity to the opposing team to create more opportunities for the goalie to make said mistakes. I mean, I don't know. I think it's that simple. You you can't rely on this type of defense. And at this point, they kind of have to. It's what they got. You know, I don't know what kind of changes need to be made, to tell you the truth, to try to shore up defensively in front of Matt Turner. Uh, but listen, great stories in sports, great players can lead teams to titles. It, it happens. But I just don't want the Revs to put this all on one player, put all their eggs in one basket because listen they've been to the mls cup final what five times and they've never won it yep and i'm pretty sure andrew farrell has been been there and starting for all of them no i'm that's a joke (laughs) he got his 262 jersey last night um so that was good to him josh 
obviously being a goalkeeper, is it something you can do as a managerial vocal standpoint? Or is it at this point in the season, the defense is what the defense is? Um, I think the defense at, at this point is what the defense is. Um, they're, they're not good. I mean, Andrew Farrell is, is really the only, and it just sounds strange, the MLS quality defender that they have. And, and they've tried to sign guys to, to, to fit in back there. Um, but even some of the guys they signed are, are, are more attacking minded outside backs or, or guys who really aren't up to the, you know, we, we call the premier league a, a physical league. Uh, MLS is a bit of a butcher's league just because of that talent gap. Um, mm-hmm. And some of those guys are not up to that level of, or that style of play. They've come from places that maybe aren't, as physical as American soccer is, which, you know, makes guys like Farrell commodities because when you get these college guys, I don't know how much obviously NCAA soccer you guys watch, but mm-hmm. it is, it's not well officiated. Um, and so it's, 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 the MLS is getting better at this. The Revs, for example, play a very European South American style of like passing and, and, nice looking soccer whereas mls has a history of hoof it long and hope your fast guys run onto it um, the high school model gotcha well i mean yep. it's, yeah so it's just it's the american model really and that's changing as we get more and more players over in europe um and it's changing as more europeans have come over to mls later in their careers but it's still a league where you need these defenders to kind of be butchers in a way and the and the revs don't really have that. I think they're a bit soft defensively. Farrell is a, is a good defender. I think he's a, a, one of the better ones in MLS, to be honest, but he's, he's the only one in, in a back four that's really up to snuff. I think you get help when uh, Carlos Hill comes back because you get to keep the ball a little bit more. Um, he actually is more defensively responsible too than I think he gets credit for dropped in when he drops in a little deeper, but um the defense is a, is a real concern. That's a real concern. So real quick, I'll give you guys like 15 seconds each. Given that if the Revs stay 95% healthy or even 100% healthy, right? Obviously health is a big thing in all sports. Not, I'm not going to ask can they win it, but can they be one of those two or three teams that you're like, I'm willing to put money on to make it to the MLS Cup final and possibly win it? Kim, yes or no? Uh, because I really want to go to an MLS Cup final at Gillette Stadium. Yes, absolutely. Josh? Yeah, I think the East is the weaker of the two conferences as well. I think there's more I, more parity in the West. So I think I think if you're a Revs fan and they and they don't honestly they don't get there, then it's a disappointing season given the talent yeah, and, that they have. And you're looking at second place is Orlando. They're ten points behind with a game in hand. I love Orlando. They're my second team because I love when Kaká played there. But I mean. Right now, you're, you're coasting. If you're healthy, you should make it. Um, so we'll go into a lot more MLS stuff on this show, hopefully as things go forward, as things start to develop. Um, like I said, this is our pilot episode, so we're still feeling things out. Thank you for sticking with us. And now comes to the fun part, where we're going to look at our team's games. Obviously, Josh, I think Southampton is – they're playing later today. so They played yesterday. They played Newcastle yesterday. Oh, see? Now oh, that was a fun stuff. one. Yep, that was a I fun was, one. I, so um, we can get to that. Cam, we'll start with the Chelsea-Liverpool game. 
Give us your thoughts on obviously Reese James, the the red card that was controversial to some people, um, and then your thoughts as a whole. Listen, when the red card incident happens, I am I was sitting on my coffee table. I'm off the coffee table. I'm running around the room cursing Anthony Taylor's name. I'm still cursing Anthony Taylor's name. That man should never ever be able to officiate another Chelsea game. He truly is uh, terrible when it comes to managing for the Blues or not managing, uh, officiating for the blues. Um, you know, but when it happens, you know, you see the replays and everything, there is a distinct motion of Reese James's arm that may or may not have pushed the ball off the line. I will say that, um, again, but my biggest problem is with Anthony Taylor and his look at VAR because his look at VAR is a quick glance at a still frame that in no way, shape or form includes that thrust of the arm that again, may or may not push the ball off the line. Uh, I would like to see an official look at every single angle before and after the possible infraction to see if it actually is an infraction. If it still ends up being a red card, okay, okay, fine. And and obviously penalty there obviously leads to the red card tie game. It's whatever. But the big thing that I want to talk about is just that game absolutely, obviously only on match day three, ensures that Chelsea, assuming they stay healthy, are 1,000% in for the title race here. And we all know how good they can be defensively. They won the Champions League last year under Thomas Tuchel under being uh, one of the great defensive units in all of Europe. We know that they can do that, and yesterday perfectly exemplifies that. And with the addition of a guy like Romelu Lukaku up top, he works out what he needs to work out with Mason Mount, with Kai Havertz, with uh, Christian Pulisic, with Timu Werner when he eventually comes into play. When all of that gets worked out, they are an incredible attacking threat. They don't give up goals. You know, they're down 10 men, down to 10 men, and they don't give up a goal to the likes of Jota, to Salah, to Mane. It's a character win yesterday. It was absolutely brilliant. Every single center back was fantastic. It, It was everything. Everything was brilliant. I could seriously rave about it. You know, it's a massive result despite only being one point. And I think they they they're probably the deepest team. I mean, I know City's deep, but like literally, you even in goal, you take out Mendy, you put in Kepa. Who say what you will about him, there's a reason he was worth seventy million, right? Um, and don't give me the release cause crap. But they they tied down a man. There's still everything they have to do. Josh, Southampton, and Newcastle, the latest or one of the latest equalizers in Premier League history. Right, I completely forgot about that. Thoughts yeah. up and down, or was it just kind of heart attack after heart attack? I mean, there's just like I, I I have to rewatch. I didn't really. I only I watched the highlights and then I rewatched the whole first half. I got to rewatch the second half probably tonight. Um, there's just so frustrating at times. Um, and people are probably listening to this like a Southampton fan. Why? Well, because the big teams are boring. <laughs> Screw you and your big teams. They're boring. Hey, um, hey, Arsenal is not boring. They're just awful. <laughs> See, now I feel like I, I was I was legitimately concerned that Southampton were going to go down this year. And I actually, having watched the first three games, feel pretty good about our survival chances now. Because I think if you watch that game yesterday, I think they're a better team than Newcastle. I don't, again, I don't know how much of that game you guys watched. But they're a team that goes out there. They create chances. They dominate possession. They, um, they're one of the highest average possession teams in the Premier League, which is incredible for a team that play that's generally in the lower mid-table. Um, 
they just don't score when they're supposed to. Ugh. Like, they should have beaten United last week. Adam Armstrong has an A++ opportunity that doesn't finish. Musa Genepo, I love Musa Genepo. I think he, need, when he, he needs to stay fit and he needs to play more. Because for me, he's one of the best dribblers in the Premier League. Uh, yesterday, he probably should have had three goals in the first half of the game alone. But that's mm-hmm. going to come. He's still only like 21 years old. So he's going to he's got to play more. So he, he starts to take those chances. <sighs> They're going to be okay. So Southampton's going to be okay. I would like to make see them make one more signing. Um, uh, by the way, uh, for those of Hung Ming Son has just scored for Tottenham in, in real time on a free kick. Um, he, I wondered why Josh is kind of seeming distracted. He's watching Tottenham. Yeah, so so Southampton. I mean, you can't see the reflection in his glasses, Matt. I mean, he's been distant the whole time. <laughs> yeah, South, South, Southampton. They've made this. I I I bitched and moaned all off season, all summer that they should have been in on on Gilmore. They should have been on Connor Gallagher. Because they need another midfielder. They should have been on Danny Rose because he was a free left back and you need you didn't have a single left back in your first team. Um, and the signings they've made thus far look really, really smart. Um, Livermento from, che- right from Chelsea. I mean, Cam, you're probably more familiar with him than I am. I was Chelsea's Academy Player of the Year last year. He's looked brilliant. I think you're going to see a situation where he might move up to right wing a little bit so you can play Walker Peters in behind him. Um, Perot at left back has looked a useful signing. Um, Armstrong creates chances. He hasn't taken as many as I'd like yet, but he's getting in those right areas and those are going to come, I think. Um, I'm interested to see what Lycano can offer at center back. Um, but I like Salisu a lot. I think he is an underrated young talent at center back. So I, I feel better about the team now than I did three weeks ago before the season started. I just need to see them be a little bit more consistent. And and thank God Ralph is no longer bringing Shane Long off the bench as a defensive substitute. <laughs> because last year, they, since he's taken over, they've dropped the most points from winning positions. I think it's 62 in the past, what, however many seasons. Shane Long is a striker, and as much as he works his butt off and like gets back on defense, bringing on a striker is not a defensive replacement. He needs to be bringing on Diallo um, as a and dropping a striker and playing with five midfielders. He needs to be doing things like that, um, or or moving Livermento up to a more attacking position and bringing on Walker Peters mm-hmm. as the right back. He needs, and he's doing a little bit more of that now this year. So maybe he's learned, or maybe it's just the, the roster is constructed better. But I feel good about them. I think we safely survive in like a 14th, 13th, 15th, somewhere in there. Not really pulled into the battle at any point. I think Norwich assures us that. I think um, so. I, I think we we are good there. Um, I'd like to see him bring in a, a holding midfielder. I'd like to see them bring in one more midfielder. That's- that's fair, right? And I think we all kind of we all know what James Ward Prowse can do, kind of carrying that team forward as the one of the captains this year. Um, I don't have a whole lot to say about my team. I for some reason watched that whole game. I don't know why. I just, maybe I just like putting myself through misery. I don't know. Um, I have yeah. to ask you, Matt, as an as an outsider. Obviously, I'm not an Ar- I'm not Arsenal fan, but I have like. How does Granite is Granite Xhaka purposely trying to set the Premier League record for career red cards? <laughs> so the shocking thing is he only that was only his fourth 
time getting sent off in a Premier League game. I thought it was a hell of a lot more. Is it really? Oh, he's like, I feel like he has a history of just like horror challenges. I think I feel like that's his thing. I, th- I thought so, that his his number was more around ten, but maybe it was just four with Arsenal. So I don't it, know. It maybe might be European so Arsenal games. Had ten under Arteta since he took. Oh, over. that's it. Yeah, and which is incredible because I'm pretty sure the next highest is either four, five, or six. Um, it's just like I, I don't know what to do. When you're starting, when you as a manager have more respect for Saeed Kalazanac, who you've wanted out of this team for 18 months, instead of a 20-year-old, 21-year-old William Saliba, who you spent $35 million on and hasn't even given a chance, I'm beyond confused whether that means Edu needs to leave because his player uh, recruitment isn't good. I never want to... Say it's Arteta's fault when he's only been there 18 months, 24 months, whatever it is. But when you play the way these first three games have gone, they've never lost their first three without scoring. And even the last time they lost their last three was in the 1950s when you had a bunch of like returning World War II vets playing for him. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. If honestly, if I was one of those people, I probably would have been the walking out in the thirty-six minute too with the red card. I, I don't know how you can sit here and pull for this team when it sounds like the players don't care, the manager obviously doesn't care, and we all know the owner doesn't care. Yeah, I mean, I uh, y- yesterday for me, because I, I'm watching Arsenal as sort of this person who likes to see these bigger teams kind of crash and burn. Um, which is weird as a, as a Juventus fan, but I, they look at him. And yesterday for me was the first time Arteta looked defeated. Like every, all these bad things are happening, the card, the goals, and he's not moved from his seat, at least in previous matches. He's up, he's barking instructions, blah, blah, blah. But he looks, he looks defeated to me. I think, I don't know about how you feel about it, but I think he's got maybe two more games to turn this around before he's done. Um, Honestly, I, I thought with the international break, it, it could have happened. I thought it could have happened. Maybe it'll still happen today. I don't know. The, um, I figured it had been within 24 hours. That was my guess yesterday. Yeah. For for me though, the bigger issue is like you mentioned the when was the last time they made a useful signing? Who was the last good signing? I'm gonna say it's probably Aubameyang, since he won the Golden Boot back to back years. That's just. But what is it, what have you done for me lately though? Is he? Oh no, I I fully understand. It's whenever they get that second contract. <laughs> That's that's when it is, or Chaka's case. So so uh, so have they? So it's a bit Aubameyang because I think Pepe is a miss. Um, mm-hmm. Lacazette's more or less a miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I think all in all, their player recruitment has been look at what these guys did in these subpar leagues and teams, and now we're here. Um, and I really wish we could continue, but we've been this has been flying by. I can't believe we've already reached our time and. This is what happens when you get the three of us who don't get to talk soccer because, you know, most people in our lives are like, what is soccer? That's not a real sport. So for Josh, Cam, thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, For those of you that listened, hey, give us a rating, give us a thumbs up, all those things. Um, Hopefully we'll be back with more organized and hopefully get us a little shorter too. But uh, Cam, any last thoughts real quick before we go? I just want to remind the entire world that Arsenal has spent more money than anybody else in the Premier League this year, and look at where they are. Just okay, want that out and for there. For that, um, 
Ah, so that we're uh, we're gonna sign off. So thank you for watching or listening to Three Off the Bench. If you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, get that like button, all those Caleb, things that Cam probably knows all about. Caleb Chambers starts for you. Um, and while Josh continues to spew hot garbage, I'm Matt Custodio. We will see you all next time.